All right, everybody, welcome back to the Fantasy Hockey Hacks podcast. I'm Devin Davidson, your host. With me, as always, my co-hosts, Bruce Gunther and John Enns. Boys, what's happening? <laughs> the question is, what isn't happening? Yeah, that'd probably be the better question, exactly, uh, what isn't happening. Holy crap, yeah. what a week. What a week. So, obviously, we're we're a little delayed again. We're recording on a Thursday night here. Um, the last we recorded was actually before the NHL draft on July 23rd, so... Uh, lots to get to this week. We're going to go through the, the NHL entry draft. We're going to go through trades that we saw at the draft. And, um, after that, as well as free agency, there's just been a lot happening in the last couple of days here. So, uh, we're going to try and keep this to under an hour and a half. Um, so with that, let's just rip through it here. So the first thing that happened, uh, of note was on the 23rd at the draft on Friday night, the Chicago Blackhawks acquired Seth Jones, a first round pick in 2021. Uh, and a six-round pick in 2022 from the Columbus Blue Jackets. Columbus got Adam Boquist, um, first and second-round picks in 2021. Uh, Jones then signed an eight-year contract worth $76 million uh, and $9.5 million AAV. So with that, uh, we're just going to get to fantasy impact here. So Jones, his stock should, should get a substantial boost here in terms of fantasy, I think, moving from um, Columbus to Chicago and, and now with the healthy Chicago lineup. They've got uh, Taze, Kane, Doc, Dabrinkit, and then Boquist and Keith are both gone. So he's going to have sole or should have sole possession of that first power play unit and healthy lethal weapons to use um, at his disposal. So what do you guys think? Like where, where's Jones going to fall in the, in terms of defenseman next season? I think he's going to do very well. I don't know if he'll be in, in the top group, but he's going to be up there. He's got he's got the potential, right? You look at that group that he's going to be playing with. It's wow. And then so uh, as you we think- get into the podcast here, you'll find out some of the other changes that the Blackhawks have made as well. And holy crap, they're almost a contender now. They've been busy. Very um, busy. I, I, I mean, Jones could be a top five defenseman this year. Is that... Is that going too far? Or do you think, I mean, top 10 for sure, but do you think he's a top five defenseman? I don't know if he'll get to five, but yeah, he's got a chance to get into the top 10. Yeah, I think, um, like he, in 2017-18, that was his best season. He put up 57 points, 16 goals, 249 shots on goal, 124 blocks, 92 hits. So, I mean, I think he averaged 242 on the power play. I think he was still splitting time with Wierenski. So, I, I would think, given this situation, he's going to see more power play time. And uh, he should have a more productive season than than 2017-2018. But time will tell. So, that one we, we were waiting for for a long time. Obviously, Caleb Jones got traded. We, we kind of assumed that's why that was going down. Um, so, those two, uh, it looks like Jones, uh, Caleb Jones is going to play on the third pairing left side and Jones, uh, Seth Jones will be on the uh, first pairing right side. So, looks a lot different in Chicago for sure. Yeah, the potential it's... there for uh, Seth to have a really quite a big impact is uh, is definitely there. They got him in the right situation and I think he'll, I think he'll flourish there. Yeah, I'm excited about what's going on in Chicago, but um We'll we'll dig into that, like Bruce said, here in a few minutes. So uh, the next thing that happened on the Friday night at the draft, the Philadelphia Flyers acquired defenseman Rasmus Ristolainen from the Sabres in exchange for a first-round pick, which was 13th overall in the 2021 draft, a second-round pick in 2023, and defenseman Robert Hag. So, you know, the, the response right after was basically that uh, 
that Buffalo made out like bandits, right? Like, what did you guys think of the trade? First off, do you like Rasmus uh, Ristolainen? Well, he's kind of, he's had, I don't know, lots of opportunity, but hasn't really, hasn't really put it up, but they haven't put, Buffalo never put him in a great situation either, but he's not going into a great one here in Philadelphia either. He's going to be behind probably Provorov, Yandel, and uh, who Ellis. else was there? So you got Ryan Ellis, Ellis there. So, yeah. So he's, he's probably, in terms of fantasy value, he's probably going to have none this year behind those guys. Unless yeah. they get hurt. Yeah, I, I, he's a guy that yeah. he's he's going to go later in drafts, right, John? Like, I think he'll go later. Um, I wouldn't be surprised yeah, to see him on the a, waiver wire. Yeah, she's just a little too crowded in there for Philly for uh, for him to really have any value. Uh, you got solid guys like Provorov, Ellis, who are definitely going to be uh, <clears throat> worth a lot more than, than Ristolainen back there. I, typically, he's a guy that's going to provide some category coverage with assists and hits, pims, shots on goal, block shots. Um, he's usually good for 10 goals and 30 assists in a season, but he's been in decline the past two seasons. Like with Darlene there, his power play time has dwindled. Uh, his shot rates have been down since 2017. And, and I don't think anything's going to change in Philly, like you said, unless barring injuries. So uh, Risto stock will go down this year as far as we're concerned. And... Um, Looks like Buffalo made out quite well in that trade as well. So the next big trade we saw there was St. Louis. They acquired Ford Pavel Bushnevich from the New York Rangers in exchange for Ford Sammy Blay and a second round pick in the 2022 NHL draft. I've got Bushnevich's stock going up. What do you guys think? I think he's going to be very similar to Saad, right? So as he had a really good season last season here for the Rangers. So, and they've got some young guys coming up. So they wanted to move it, move him out. And it'll be tied too. If Tarasenko leaves, he'll go even, it'll go up. If Tarasenko is at St. Louis next year, it could be, he could just be right on, right on par where he is now. Yeah. Like last season, he put up 48 points, 20 goals and 54 games played, which was good enough for a 71 point pace. Um, I can't, there's an article I read recently and, and it was comparing him and, and Brock Besser and actually their their points per 60 were fairly similar. Um, I think Besser was on a 72-point pace that last season. So he's a guy that's kind of been undervalued and underutilized in New York. And I think they were concerned about his arbitration rights was part of the reason why they wanted to move him out. But, um, yeah. you know, he's going to have a good opportunity here in, in St. Louis. I think he's going to have, you know, some exposure to guys like Ryan O'Reilly, Braden Shen, David Perron and Tarasenko if he stays. But like you said, if he gets moved out, it sounds like that's kind of an inevitability. Um, He's going to get more opportunity there. So really interested to see what he does there, but I I think his stock's going up next season. I agree too. He's, uh, he's going to have some good playing time there with, in that top six, I think, like you said, with with the Shens and the Perrons and the Riley's. So yeah, I'd see his stock going up. Definitely. Next, we had Vancouver acquiring defenseman Oliver Ekman Larson and forward Connor Garland from the uh, Arizona Coyotes in exchange for forwards Louis Erickson, Jay Beagle, and Antoine Roussel. Uh, so they just dumped a bunch of players there, basically. But they also got a first round pick, number nine overall in the draft, and a second round pick in 2022. 
and a seventh round pick in 2023. So in terms of fantasy impact here, I've got Connor Garland's stock going up, um, going from Arizona to Vancouver. He's going to have a chance to play in the top six. Last season, he had 39 points, 12 goals, and 48 games played for the Oats. Uh, good enough for a 65-point pace. He should have no problem, in my opinion, producing similar or better numbers with exposure to guys like Horvat or Pedersen as his centers. Um, his ceiling is ultimately going to be determined by placement, deployment. Uh, is he going to get a chance on that top power play unit? Like, do you guys think they'll put him on the top power play unit in Vancouver? Maybe not initially, but I think he'll have an opportunity to work work himself onto it. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's a lot of talented forwards in Vancouver. But like you said too, Garland definitely will do better in Vancouver than he did in Arizona. Sorry, hard, hard not to, right? <laughs> Pretty much. Not a whole lot uh, of supporting cast there in Arizona. No. no, and just the structure they play—they're kind of a boring team. So, um, yeah. Oliver Breckman Larson, you know Quinn Hughes is the guy in Vancouver. Um, just as Jacob Chikrin was in in Arizona last season, so I I think OEL stock is going down this year. He like you guys have shared no love for that guy in the past two or three four podcasts we've talked about when he was going to get moved. Um, you know, so I, I don't expect to see a big fantasy boost for him at least not in terms of power play points because like I said, Hughes is the guy there. Um, he might be a guy to keep an eye on though because if Hughes does go down with injury, he's going to be next up, right? He'll be the guy, yeah. It's and, yeah, I, I think he's in know, a better so, situation though in Vancouver than he was in Arizona. He's got some guys here that can actually play. So, so do do you think yeah, then he's in is like is his stock going up next year or is it going down? Because I think he's going to get kind of relegated to second line duty again. Um, so maybe maybe it's it's similar. Maybe it doesn't go down that much, but yeah. I don't but know. The what, you're saying you think it go up though. Well, the second power play unit in Vancouver looks better than the first power play unit in Arizona, so it's <laughs> right. So yeah, fair enough. It, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. The potential is there, right? They, Vancouver's got the players where even if they put Hughes and Larson on the first power play, right, just as two defensemen, like you, you just never know, right? There's a lot of talent yep. there between. Like you said, Pedersen, Besser, Horvat, JT Miller in there. Like you put those two guys on the point and start letting them fly. Well, yeah, you could start racking up the assists pretty fast with the odd goal. And yeah, that that's a good point. Um, the potential is there. It just a matter where they there. put them. Are they going to put them? Are they going to put them on the first with with Hughes, or are they going to put them on the on the second one? It's just a matter where they put them. Yeah, time will tell. A change of scenery could be good for him too, right? And they are playing in that Pacific Division, which we've talked about for next season is probably not going to be a a real dominant division, to say the least. So, um, John, anything to add to that on OEL? No, uh, I just see him as a guy on a, on the decline, and I don't really see a whole lot changing there. Um yeah, like you said, he's he's playing second fiddle again. Doesn't matter where he's going. So, okay. um, yeah, not nothing so exciting selling. for me on that one. Okay, yeah, fair I'm enough. Uh, next up was was the Boston Bruins. They resigned UFA left wing Taylor Hall to a four year contract extension with an AAV of six million dollars. I I was really happy to see this. I, I like Taylor Hall. Um, the former Hart Trophy winner was 
excellent in Boston after being acquired at the trade deadline. Put up 14 points, 8 goals, 2 power play points, 48 shots on goal, and 10 hits in 16 games played with the Bruins. Um, He only received 42% power play share, so there's room to grow there. Uh, If he does get thrown on power play one, he's got exposure to Pasternak, Marchand, Bergeron, uh, and and Greslick or um, McAvoy. So we'll have to see what happens there. I, I did a bit of research too, and, and it looks like if he can get back to his career average of 3.3 shots per game, um, last year he was down uh, 2.6 shots per game, which is a career low for him. So if you kind of do the math on, on based on his career averages, you know, like he, he could, I don't think that a, a 25 goal, 75 point season is out of range for him. But what are you guys' thoughts? I, for sure, I think his stock's going up uh, in Boston for next season. Oh, definitely. He's going to make that half season in Buffalo look like it was just a quick nightmare and gone. It's He's going to yeah. do a lot better this year in, in Boston. Just They've got the players, right? It's I don't know, is Krejci resigned yet or is he still a free agent? He's not. Um, I just saw a tweet today that said... Basically, they've got $2 million left in cap space to tra- to sign David Krejci and there was one other player. So the sense there is that there's a trade coming. Um, okay. I'm just going to pull up their roster here really quick. So if you look, like they did a lot of things actually on the first day of um, free agency. They've got, uh, so Hall signed. They signed Halla. They signed Nick Foligno. They signed Thomas Nosek. Nosek. Uh, Derek Forbert, like they and uh, Linus Allmark, which we'll talk about later as well. But so, th- I mean, they made a lot of substantial changes to their roster and they didn't leave a lot of room for, for David Krejci. So, I mean, he was, a, he was a big piece of that second line with Craig Smith. So, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, John, you, uh-huh. stocks going up for Hall next year. Yes, uh, stock is going up for Hull. He's going to get more playing time with all the, the fantastic players on that Boston team. And I think they'll just learn to, to mesh even better. And I see uh, good and great things coming out of that. Um, I think he'll start to be another force to be reckoned with, uh, like his time was in uh, Jersey. So are you taking the over or under on 75 points for all next season? Over. Bruce? Uh, I think I'm going under on that one. <laughs> you got burned last year and you're just, <laughs> just, you just had it. Do, do you remember Bruce where you took him in ESPN <laughs> last year? I, I'm not trying uh, to be funny. I actually like. <laughs> it, it was really high, really high. Second, I want to say I it was this third round. It was in the first five. Yeah, it was in the first five rounds for sure. Oh. I mean, you'd be okay making that stretch this coming season, but last year was was tough for him. So, um, but I I wouldn't hesitate to yeah. go and grab him in the in the top five or six rounds this year. I did it in both of them last year. Yeah. Okay. Well, if if you find that out, let us know. Otherwise, we'll we'll continue on here. Uh, News came out that Carey Price had knee surgery, so he's actually expected to be ready for the season opener on October 13th. So a bit of good news there for the Habs. Definitely not as serious as some made it sound to be. I think that was a bit of a show for um, for Seattle. Yep. 
Smoke and mirrors. Uh, smoke and mirrors, right? So obviously it probably wasn't serious at all. But uh, Kale McCarr signed a six-year contract extension worth $54 million, so a $9 million AAV. Uh, the 22-year-old had 44 points, eight goals, and 44 games played last season, which um, works out to an 82-point pace. So he was incredible last year. Bruce, you you reached for him fairly early last year, and, and that worked out just fine for you. When he was healthy, he was playing lights out. It was fantastic. He was like having another forward up there, basically. Yeah. He was on a Yeah, point, you even point borrowed point my per, fantasy hockey game. game pace. If, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, it's, so, a, it's I mean, a great I, deal for uh, it's a great deal for uh, for Colorado. Yeah, I think they're happy with that. Six years at nine million dollars, given what he can do there. Um, that, no real fantasy impact here to discuss. I mean, he's just going to continue doing what he's doing. He's the number one guy there in Colorado, and he's playing with a lot of talented players. So. Uh, his stock's not really going up or down, but just definitely a guy you're going to... He's, he's probably going to be the first defenseman off the board next year, hey? Easily. Yeah. His scoring All is right. higher than most of the forwards, so... <laughs> yeah. Pretty incredible. And he's only 22. I just... That blows my mind, honestly. Yeah. Um, next, we had Columbus Blue Jackets trading Cam Atkinson to the Philadelphia Flyers for... Uh, Jake Voracek. I've got Cam Atkinson's stock going down here. I think he's got potential for bounce back in Philly with more offensive talent around him, but he also may just kind of get lost in the shuffle. Like, I don't know if he's going to have top six opportunity there or power play one. You know, what do you guys think? Is he going to get put on the power play ahead of Giroux, Konechny, Couturier, or JVR? I don't see it happening. Um... I see the other guys as being a uh, higher caliber than, than Atkinson. Unfortunately, good player, but I just I don't think he's going to get that PP one time. No, I don't yeah, think no, so I agree either. totally. I he'll, he'll be third, third line, second power play, so that's where I think he'll end up. Third line, second. Yeah, so I think we're all selling on Cam Atkinson then for next season. Yep. Yep. All right, uh, Jake Voracek. He should be a key piece in Columbus. There's there's not a whole lot there, really. Um, but I, I could see a spike in power play production for him, feeding pucks to Line A or, or Wierenski. Uh, he put up 43 points, 9 goals, and 53 games played last year, along with 104 shots on goal. His shooting percentage was down by his career standards slightly. Um, his shot rate per game was down as well. So I think with a little bit more opportunity, uh, maybe some positive regression, Probably a 20-goal, 70-point season isn't out of the question for, for Voracek, but what do you guys think for next season, buying or selling? John, you don't look impressed. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really he's one guy I really don't know about. Well, I know about the guy. I just don't know what to what to think of the whole situation there. Like, I don't see him putting up big points. But uh, I don't think he's going to regress a whole lot. Um, I think he'll be right around that 70 point again. Bruce, what do you think? I don't know if he's going to quite get to the 70 point total, but he's definitely going to have some talent there finally to play with, right? So he's got Lion A. Orensky. I'm guessing he's going to have some exposure to Max Domi, 
when Domi's shoulder is finally healed enough to to get yeah. out there. So I don't know if he'll hit yeah. seventy, but he'll he'll definitely score some points. They're going to need him. To. All right. Yeah, I mean, he was on a sixty-seven point pace over eighty-two games last year. So I, that was in Philly, right? So now going to Columbus, hard to say. Uh, I don't think it's un, unreasonable, but there's a lot of question marks there next season. So I, I would proceed with caution on forecheck, but I think the potential's there. Um, next up, we had the Florida Panthers acquiring Sam Reinhart from the Buffalo Sabres in exchange for a 2022 first round pick and goaltender Devin Levi. Uh, Reinhardt's three-year average is 62 points, 28 goals, 34 assists over an 82-game span. On one hand, it's, it's kind of hard for me to imagine that Reinhardt's production is going to get much better. Over the past three seasons, he his time on ice has been 1940 per game, 303 on the power play. He hasn't scored fewer than 22 goals, and he's played largely with Jack Eichel when, when Eichel was healthy. So I don't know if there's a lot of room there for improvement, but the Panthers were also fourth in the league in goals four per game at 3.36. The Sabres are 28th at 2.39. Uh, Florida scored 117 goals, five on five, which was seventh, whereas Buffalo was uh, 30th with 87 goals. So, I mean, that's a lot of even strength goals, right? I, I think with that difference and in mind, it's not, what you, you know what I mean? Like, um, I, I do think Reinhardt Stock's going to go up here. The, the only question is ice time and deployment. Um, it's, it's a pretty crowded top six there in Florida, but what do you guys think? He's going to have all kinds of opportunities. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's it's going to come down to where he's going to get used. That's where it's going to come down to. Is he going to see power play one time or not? That's, that's yeah, five on five. That's uh, that top six is scary, based on the way they played last year. Yeah. Oh yeah, and they just got better. <laughs> exactly. John, what do you think? Yeah, I'm in agreement too. It just depends on where he's where he's put there in the lineup and if he's getting that PP one time. Um, I hope he does get some time on, on there. Um, he's a good player. I think he's just had a couple couple downish years there in, in Buffalo. Um, really, nobody wanted to play there anyways. But, uh, yeah, I'm hoping a change of scenery for him uh, really brings him up to an elite level. I, I think... I wouldn't be surprised if they gave him a shot on the first unit power play. Like he's shown he can do it in Buffalo. I he's played with Eichel. He's played with guys like Olafson and, and Rasmus Dahlin. Like why couldn't he come and step into Florida and do the same thing here? Certainly. Yeah. Okay. So are, are you guys buying or selling on it? What's the over under 65 points over or under? Ooh, uh, 65. Over, he'll probably get like 67. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Okay. It'll, it'll be the over, but it'll be just barely over. Yeah. I'll take the over as well, but yeah, under 70. Okay, cool. Um, so that was basically the, the big transactions that occurred during the draft. One other thing, I didn't put it in the notes here. I was just thinking about it. What were you guys' thoughts on the Oilers' move to go from... 20th to trade down to 22nd and they basically passed on Jesper Wallstead who by all accounts was supposed to be uh, the best goalie in the draft um, I just Do we have to talk I was about actually, it? 
Oh, <laughs> we don't have to, but I, I just got to ask, right? We're all Oilers fans here. Like, what were they doing? Um, I feel like Steve Eisenman should ask a question like that to Ken Holland because he, Steve Eisenman, kind of gave that answer to. Oh man. To uh, yeah. I can't even remember who that was to, but uh, yeah, like I don't know what he was doing. Um, he had the perfect op- opportunities there to draft either uh, trade up, get Kosa, or get Wallstead, and he <laughs> dropped the ball on both of them. So, uh, Wait, yeah. Really yeah, so he, he doesn't in the first round. I and that's that is the thing. A lot of guys don't like taking goalies in the first round, but the thought was these two, either one of them were were kind of the picks to take if you were going to do it. Um, because the, the thing that drives me nuts, they've got two guys, two guys coming right. They've got Skinner and they've got um, a young Russian Konolo- goalie, Konolov right? or what's that? Yeah. So if if they bring this the, guy, the Konolov kid, one of those has to. One of those would have would have to go somewhere probably, up or out. They can't and have. I guess the three of them there. Other thing time. I heard. No, and and they kind of said like they're in win now mode, right? So a guy like Wallstead or, or Kosa doesn't yeah. really help them. It's it's you know three to four years away anyway. But I mean, you got to build for the future too. And what drives me nuts is they didn't even do anything with their goaltending in free agency. Yeah, I'm, I'm like still, if they're in win now fingers mode, crossed. They... <laughs> Sorry, John. I, I was going to say I five and we'll be. In... <laughs> uh. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, I, I cut you off there before, but I was just gonna say, like if they're in win now mode, you you don't have the right goalie tandem there to win to win now, in my opinion. No, I totally agree. Uh Mike Smith, you know what, I'm okay with signing him because he did play really well last year and he could do it for another year or two, but you have to supplement Mike Smith with another goaltender that isn't Miko Koskinen. Correct. And they just they failed to do it. So and, and then I was disappointed to see the whole camper thing, but we'll get into that later too. So um so in terms of NHL free agency, that's kind of the next topic here. So on the twenty seventh of July, Alex Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals agreed on a five year forty seven point five million dollar contract with an AAV of nine point five million dollars. Again, not really anything to discuss in terms of fantasy impact. He's gonna chase down Gretzky's record for for goals in the NHL and uh Beyond that, his stock's not going to go up or down necessarily. So, anything to add to that? Case? And no, yeah, no discount for Washington either. Like they're no. paying yeah. full value for. There's no, there's no discount there. He's getting nine and a half million. So that's yikes. Yeah, I was yeah, thinking I the same thing there. Like for for five years, I I would hope for for a bit of a hometown discount on that one. Um, you guys know me, I've never been the biggest Ovi guy and I think nine and a half million is way too much for, for, for what he's done the last couple of years. I think he's really regressed. Um, but that's just me. I, nobody likes my opinion anyways. So <laughs> <laughs> no, we love the John hot takes. I, he's, he's getting up there too. Is he 35 now? Oh god, I bet you thirty-five and plus contract. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm just gonna. That's a thirty-five here. and um, over contract. Oh my god, 
He is, yeah, he's 35 years old. He is, he is. I mean, look, he had 42 points in 45 games last season, scored 24 goals. Uh, he was on a 77-point pace as a 35-year-old. So, yeah, you're right, John, his his numbers. Um, you know, he's gone from 89 to 67 to 42. And, you know, kind of points per game, he's gone from 1.10 to 0.99 to 0.93. So, I mean, maybe a bit of regression there. But the way he plays, he can pretty much sit – in his spot in the power play and score 20 goals in his sleep a season. So. Yeah. But, but yes. 20 goals at nine and a half millions. Uh, yeah. It, no fair, doubt. Fair, it, fair bit pricey. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I'm, to I'm just looking a, at it and seeing. Um, sorry. I was just going to say it. Like, I'm just looking at to like Crosby's caught 12 year contract that he signed forever ago. And, He's got an average annual of 8.7, and you're going to pay 35-year-old Ovechkin 9.5? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a steep price for sure for, for an aging asset. Um, next, we had Gabriel Landeskog. He re-signed at the Colorado Avalanche for eight years, $56 million for a $7 million AAV. Uh, he gets paid as much as $9 million in years three and four. So the Avs definitely paid to keep their captain around. I think we all expected this. Uh, again, in terms of fantasy impact, it's kind of just more of the same. He's going to play with McKinnon and uh, Rannon, and he'll be a valuable player next season. So he's he's a guy that provides category coverage too, right? He he does he hits he he does uh, he pims as well, and then uh, puts up some goals and some assists every year. So uh, anything else to say there other than? Uh, if Dave were listening, he would just be telling us how great Lannisgog is and, and the Avs going to win the cup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I he, think... Go ahead, John. Sorry. Right, yeah. I was just going to say Dave, Dave was just stressing out that uh, Lannisgog wasn't going to go back to uh, to Colorado. And wh- when he did sign, he was just like a kid in a candy store again, which was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty good. All right. Uh, John, let's get to this one. I know you're you're itching to talk about it. The Chicago Blackhawks acquired goaltender Mark Andre Fleury from the Vegas Golden Knights, and I kind of went off on Twitter the other day just saying what a joke the Golden Knights are, just for the way that they handled that whole thing with Fleury. I've I've never seen a Hall of Fame goaltender get treated the way this guy gets treated, but for him to find out on Twitter he got traded, like, and after everything else that had gone on. And after all that he's done for that organization, I, I found that pretty surprising. What did you think, John? Have your say. I was really, really disappointed um, with the trade. Like, I'd have been okay with it. It's just the way that they handled it. Uh, the guy's been the face of the franchise since the start, and you pretty much threw him under the bus and and ran him over and backed up again. Like I I know they they don't like they don't like uh, letting everybody know about the trades before they happen, but for a guy like him, you, you gotta let him know before fact or beforehand because that that's just not professional in my books, uh, especially with a guy like Flurry. He he's well loved everywhere he goes. He plays absolutely solid, and yeah, pretty much threw him to the dogs on that one. Yeah. Well, this is a guy that just won the Vezin Trophy, right? Yeah. 
took your took your team to the Western Final. Um, so I yeah, pretty disappointing in, in terms of the way it was handled. In terms of fantasy impact, I mean he's going to see the bulk of the starts in Chicago. I I've actually kind of got his his fantasy value decreasing, even if just slightly, because I still don't think Chicago is as good a team as Vegas, right? Like they. Chicago gives up more shots. They had the second worst uh, goals against or shots against per game last season at 33.7. So he, I guess in terms of fantasy, he's going to face more shots, which means more points if he can keep them out of the back of the net. But, um, you know, it's just that's concerning. His peripherals are probably not going to be as good as they were last year where he had 26 wins, a 9.28 save percentage, uh, 1.98 goals against average, six shutouts. I, I don't know if he'll produce those same numbers again next year. But what what are your thoughts there, John? Um, I, it's going to be very hard to produce those same numbers. Um, like you say, Vegas is a, is a different team than Chicago and he, he's going to be in tough to, uh, to repeat what he did. Um, I'm sure he'll get the opportunity too. Um, it's just a question is if he wants to, um, cause I know he, he's been saying it's kind of up in the air on uh if he wants to play in chicago and right now it doesn't look like he has a choice he's gonna gonna go over his future with his family and see see what goes on there because what was it two weeks ago when he said he wanted to retire in vegas didn't want to play anywhere else mm-hmm. so, I, I would be surprised uh, if he decided to retire yeah i think i think he, he he wants to play a few more seasons and i'd be surprised if he did retire um in chicago i'm hoping he does well Okay. Uh, Bruce, what are your thoughts on the trade and uh, the fantasy impact for next season? Uh, On the trade itself, uh, I was quite stunned to basically trade a Vesna goalie for a sack of pucks is a pretty terrible way to go, but uh, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah, just the whole way Vegas handled that, I just not not impressed whatsoever. And going to be curious to see how other players now look at Vegas going forward, right? So obviously Vegas has made it abundantly clear that they uh, could really care less about the players there. This is a business to win. If you can come in and help us win, great. If you can't, well, goodbye. Thanks for, uh, well, not even thanks. It's just goodbye. It's Yeah. <laughs> right? They chipped out Nate Schmidt last year for basically a pick, for basically a pick right? So... They did yeah. the same thing for Flurry here, so it's uh, it's some players may think twice about going to Vegas now, but we'll see. Uh, in terms of the well, fantasy or, side of it, yeah, he's what's that? Sorry, I, I was gonna, sorry. or they're going to ask for a no move clause if they got to go there, right? Yeah, something to give themselves some protection, right? Yeah. Uh, fantasy wise, though, yeah, he's not going to put up Vesna numbers in in Chicago for this year, but I think he's going to stu- he's still going to do really well. We took a look earlier. Chicago got Seth Jones. They signed Jake McCabe, and they still got Cal, still have Kelvin DeHaan, Connor Murphy there. So their defense has gotten it, more more yeah. experience there now than it would previously, right? So I think he'll do all right. Yeah, it's not going to be Vesna numbers, but he's not going to be at Mark Andre Fleury. He's not going to be anywhere near the bottom of the goalie goaltending stats either. He's going to be he's going to be in I'd say slightly above, not middle, but a little, little above between, what's the term for it? Uh, above average? Yeah, like 
his goals saved above average last season with Vegas was 19.99. So there's no reason to think he can't still be a a well above average goaltender in Chicago, right? Like, as you said, that defense has improved. And I think if they have all those guys coming back healthy, the other guy we didn't mention was, was Tyler Johnson. I think it's actually down the list here, but um, having him as as your third line center or uh, third line right wing adds a lot of depth to that team too. Well, they got lots of flexibility now, right? So between, like now, so if Taves is back, you've got Taves, Tyler, and Doc as your centers, right? So do you want to play Doc farther down the line too to get him a better matchup or even to Tyler Johnson? You can play anywhere. They've got some real flexibility there when they're their top six or even their top nine. They, uh. This could be a fairly competitive team coming out of camp too. That could surprise a lot of, could surprise a lot of other teams too. Yeah, I, I like Chicago. They've, like I said in the past, they've kind of been my second team. A few others haven't made it in, and to me, like they've got a lot more depth this year than they've had in a long time. Uh, if Flurry does come and play, yeah, they'll, they'll be real competitive. I guess I'll just mention too, since we're talking about Tyler Johnson. So the, the trade was Tyler Johnson and a second round pick in the 2023 NHL draft. Uh, from the Lightning in exchange for Brent Seabrook's, Seabrook's contract for the purpose of LTIR. Uh, I kind of liked it for both sides. Tampa takes on the, the Seabrook contract for LTIR, and they get rid of Tyler Johnson, which they've been talking about for a long time. Chicago gets a solid third-line center. Uh, it works. I mean, I, everyone's been talking about how Julian Brisebois basically fleeced the Chicago Blackhawks, but I think for Chicago, this works out well, too. Well, and Johnson, Johnson, excuse me, showed how valuable he was in the playoffs, right? So he was mm-hmm. playing anywhere from the fourth line to the second line, and he just produced, right? So yeah, you throw that guy in your lineup, he can be dangerous at any part of that lineup, and that's that's a benefit to any team. Absolutely. Okay, so that's Chicago. Um, next year, we had Winnipeg acquiring defenseman Nate Schmidt from the Vancouver Canucks in exchange for a third-round pick in 2022. Immediate fantasy impact here. I think um, it uh, it boosts Connor Hellebuck's stock for next season. So the the Jets defense got a little bit better. That should help Hellebuck's peripherals where um, it helped to keep him where we would expect them for next season. I'm not so sure it does a whole lot for Nate Schmidt. Like I, one thing I'll say here is the blue line in Winnipeg is a little bit thinner. So there could be some opportunity for him to step up and, and maybe be more of a contributor offensively. Uh, especially if there's some injuries, if one of Josh Morrissey or Neil Pionk goes down, you know, Nate Schmidt's going to be the next guy up there, I think. So what do you guys think? There any, any fantasy appeal for Nate Schmidt next season? It's going to be whoever grabs a hold of that, that first power play time, right? So Pionk had some success there. Morrissey was okay. Schmidt has shown in the first year that he was in Vegas that he could, he could put up some points there too. So. Yeah, I think if you're if you're uh, Winnipeg, I think you're uh, you're pretty happy about that. So you could possibly even rotate the three of those guys through on that top power play just for different looks and defensively between Schmidt and adding Dylan, they're uh, I think their defense is better now. Than it was definitely, before. and they've got enough depth at forward too that they could potentially run out two power play units. Right, they could kind of split it fifty fifty and have Nate Schmidt run one and. Pionk or, or Morris here on the other. Or even play two defensemen on the power play, right? Yeah. Well, you look at their top six, right? So it's 
Wheeler, Connor, Shifley, Ehlers, Dubois, Stashney. You put, yeah. You more Jor- Morrissey, Pionk, and then Schmidt, and I'm not sure who else even you put in there, whether it, it uh, that's kind of scary. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, they, they could run there's two some really good potential there, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's some really good potential. I there. like it. All right, moving on. Jaden Schwartz signed a five-year, $27.5 million contract with a $5.5 million AAV uh, with the Seattle Kraken. And the Kraken also signed Grubauer, Philip Grubauer, to a six-year, $35.4 million contract with a $5.9 million AAV. I just immediately said fantasy value for both these players goes down heading to an expansion team. Schwartz has kind of been in decline the past couple seasons anyway, and he does have injury concerns. Uh, Philip Grubauer played behind one of the best teams in hockey last year, and, and he did really well, but I don't expect he's going to produce the same type of numbers, and wins are going to be harder to come by. We just ripped on Seattle's team in our last podcast, so I don't, I can't imagine how we're, we're voting for their fantasy stock to go up, but you guys correct me if I'm wrong. Do you see anything there from Jaden Schwartz or Philip Grubauer that really makes you... Uh, it makes you get excited. Well, they again the past few days they've got some more balance now, right? So they signed Wenberg as a center, right? So bringing Schwartz in yep. too, you've got you've got some more weapons right now, so you can balance the attack out a bit. It's not going to be completely dependent on one line to do all the scoring. They're going to have a couple lines here that can that could there's some potential there. So and their yep. defense isn't all that shabby, so. Like you look at Grubauer and Dreger, I'm thinking that's probably going to be close to a 50-50 split for yeah, the I would season. Agree. They might, if anything, Grubauer might get five or six more games than than Dreger does, but that's going to be very, probably a very close to a, a 50-50 split as you're going to see because both of them can stop the puck very well. I, I don't know. I'm it's uh, funny taking a look at some of the additions they have here. It's uh, they could surprise. They, they could, Bruce, for sure. Um, I'm not real high on, but I, I totally can see where you're coming from. I think this does hurt Drieger's fantasy value. I, he's got to be upset by this, yes. right? He thought he was going to a team to be yeah. the guy, and and now he's playing behind another goaltender with a big contract. Like, they signed him for six years. So, yeah. I mean, it's going to be a tandem, uh, or it might be just a case like where we see a lot. Whoever the hot goaltender is is going to get more, more starts, and that's just going to be... So, Basically, if you're going to get one of these guys, you're going to have to draft the other. It was very much like Vegas last season or um, what we thought was going to happen in, in for the Islanders with uh, Farlamov and Sorokin. Okay. Um, next is Peter Mrazek signing a three-year deal for $11.4 million, a $3.8 million AAV. Uh, so he heads to the Maple Leafs. Uh is this better or worse for the Maple Leafs? I would argue that Mrazic's fantasy stock takes a bit of a hit here. Carolina lost Dougie Hamilton, but the top 6D now includes Slavin, Pesci, Shea, Bear, D'Angelo, and Ian Cole. So uh, in 2020-21, the Canes had the fewest 5v5 goals against in the league at 81. For comparison, the Leafs were 8th at 96. So it's not a, a huge difference, but I, I would say that Mrazic's definitely going to a team that uh, in terms of possession numbers, is a bit weaker, and defensively is a bit weaker. 
So I would say his fantasy stock is going to maybe take a bit of a dip. He, like, especially in terms of peripherals. He might be just fine in terms of wins. It might be consistent, but uh, I would say it's down a bit. What do you guys think? It's going to depend on how much, uh, how well Jack Campbell plays. Again, if that's actually yeah, a good point. Well, so I, it's a tandem, basically, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So this is is what AEVs. It was three point three point eight. So he's not making mega bucks. So this will be. It'll all depend if uh, if Campbell starts playing better than him, then they'll have no trouble sitting Morazic in favor of Campbell, right? So mm-hmm. it's all going to see who can who can take that number one spot right out of the right out of training camp because right now. I think Campbell's thinking it's probably his. He's going to come into camp thinking that it's he's going to earn that coming out of the. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there, but yeah, I, I would say it's definitely down over this time at Carolina. John, what do you think? Certainly, uh, I agree. Uh, I think his stock's going down, and I think that creases Campbell's to lose. Um, just from from what I've seen, they they're really high on Campbell and. Uh, Mrazic, I feel, is going into a tough situation there in Toronto. Uh, he's not going to get the, the playing time that he wants, I don't think. And uh, it'll, it'll be a tandem, but uh, they'll take whoever's hot and just sit the other one. They don't they don't care as long as they're winning. And I, I just think that uh, Campbell's going to be the starter. So I, I, I think Mrazic's in for, for a tough ride there. Okay, good stuff. This one's a bit controversial, but the Carolina Hurricanes signed right defenseman Tony D'Angelo to a one-year, $1 million contract. Do you guys like it, love it, or hate it? Well, it's going to be, a, it's basically a put-up-or-shut-up contract, right? So if he causes trouble at a million dollars, they'll just bury him. So sure, he's got to prove himself. He's going to be a good player on and off the ice, and if he can't do it, you'll never hear from him for the rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah, John, what do you think? Do you like D'Angelo there for? I I think it's a good value bet for for a single season. Oh, certainly, yeah. I think it's uh, I think it's a good good sign. Um, like Bruce said, if he, he causes trouble, it'll be the end of him. And uh, but I think he's going to be really working on on his on ice and off ice uh, abilities there. And to him, this is this is a big deal. Uh, if he if he screws this up, he's He's in tough then for the rest of his career, I think. Um, but if he can pull it together, he's uh, due for berries, that's for sure. Okay, yeah, so I think we're all kind of in agreement here. Uh, his, so his stock, I mean, obviously couldn't have been much lower being they didn't play most of last season. Um, so I, I think he's, he's kind of on, on the upswing here. Is he a, a, a bet you guys are going to make on draft day? Are you going to pick up D'Angelo hoping it's a value pick somewhere? You know, in the mid to late dra- rounds of the draft, be later rounds before I consider him. Okay, I might reach mid tier. Um, only reason is because it is a, just a one year million dollar contract. I think he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. He's going to have something to prove, and I think he's he's going to want to show that uh, he can be trusted. And I. I got no problem with that. I think that uh, that offers good fantasy value. Okay, good stuff. Uh, so the, the Hurricanes, they followed that signing up by uh, 
locking up Antti Ranta to a two-year $4 million contract to the $2 million AAV, as well as Freddie Anderson to a two-year $9 million contract for $4.5 million. Um, so it's interesting to see kind of Carolina and Toronto swap goalies. Um, I've got Freddie Anderson's value going up. Obviously, he was in a bit of a timeshare there last season with uh, with Jack Campbell. He had injuries. Uh, you know, probably a, a fresh start is good for him. And I, I have to say, I think he's probably just going to be the starter here versus a, a tandem. Um, Antti Ranta has injury concerns as well, but I still think, obviously, his stock's going to go up too, moving out of um, Arizona. So even as a spot starter, Antti Ranta has more value now, I would say. John, what do you think? Uh, I agree. Um, that's going to be Freddie Anderson's crease. And, uh, I think Antti Rant is just there for the ride to fill in whenever he needs to. He's going to be, a he's going to be a solid backup. It's pretty much what I'm getting out of it. Okay. Uh, Bruce, what do you think? Yeah, I'm in agreement. I think that's Anderson's crease. It's, uh, Rant's injury concerns are, are a big thing, right? So hopefully they've got a good third option there because... Rant has had health issues like past what two, three years, so that's yep. what kept him from being a good goalie is his injury issues. So Yeah. All right. Um let's get on here to probably our favorite subject of the podcast, the Edmonton Oilers. They <laughs> signed Tyson Perry to a three year contract extension with an AAV of four point five million dollars. They also signed Zach Hyman to a seven-year contract worth $38.5 million, a $5.5 million AAV. John's shaking his head. Um, they then traded Ethan Bear for Warren Fogle and signed Cody CC to a four-year contract with a $3.25 million AAV. And I know if our buddy Tyler is listening right now, he's rolling over and he's shaking his fist <laughs> because he was not happy <laughs> with the Cody CC signing. So... Um, or trading Ethan Bear for that matter. And I, I think hearing most people talk about this trade, they they don't like the trade. They like Warren Fogle. They don't like trading Ethan Bear. Um, and as far as CeCe's concerned, I mean, to me, it's just way too much term and too much money for a guy that, you know, what does he, what does he really do, right? I, I'm trying to sort that out. Um, so before we get into Fantasy Impact, guys, thoughts and feelings on, on some acquisitions uh, and, and trades for the Oilers on, on free agency day. For Bruce, go me, ahead. I, oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, sorry, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never don't want to cut in. I just kind of cut in and then. Cut uh, it's all good. It's off. all good. Go, yeah. Uh, go for go it. Go, John. You, you started. Go for it. Okay. Uh, I was just going to say, I feel like the Tyson Berry signing was just them making a signing because they missed out on really everybody else that they wanted. Same, same with Adam, Adam Larson. Zach Hyman. Yeah, basically it. Um, Zach Hyman, same thing there. I They overpaid for him and just not really, not really impressed how with the, the dollar value or the term, uh, don't like the term at all. Uh, I just think there was better options out there than than Hyman at the, at the time, at least. Yes, you I, your doc your feelings are well documented on the podcast in terms of Zach Hyman. Yeah, uh, I, my, my stance has softened right. on him a bit. Yeah, I kind of got that feeling from you today, but yeah, no, I'm still an angry panda about it. But 
Oh, well. Uh, as for the whole Cody CC thing, yeah, like like you said, uh, what what does he do? What does he bring to the table? Not not a whole lot. It's a bit of a head scratcher on that one too. So yeah, I I got no yeah, real I, good thing to say about that one. So I would have time for Cody CC if the contract were better. It's mostly the contract that bothers me, right? But yeah, I don't know. Bruce, what do you think? Oh, I'm nervous. It's uh, it, it all <laughs> makes me nervous. So, um, I don't think the Oilers' defense got better. I I would have liked to have seen Bear Bear stay in and basically grow grow as an Oiler, as opposed to shipping yeah. him out. But I do like I do like what Fogel brings. So. I guess you look at it a bit of a trade-off. Like the Oilers have a number of defensemen coming up here through the minors. So, yes, I was. Uh, my biggest fear was they were going to trade Bouchard as opposed to Bear. So, keeping oh. Bouchard is good, but you got Tyson Berry now. So, Bouchard was, from what I understood, where Berry was supposed to go. So now that Berry's there, what does that mean for Bouchard? So that's where I kind of thought, well, Bouchard would probably be the next one out because. You'd keep Bear, but you don't really have a spot for Bouchard now, so you would move him for for somebody else. So, but I know they talked yeah. highly of CC in Pittsburgh last year, so they talked very highly of him as, as play with Pittsburgh. So I guess it's a wait and see on that because he was kind of a disaster in Toronto, from what I understand. Yeah. So, and. Barry was there at the same time. He was kind of a disaster there too. So hopefully they're not a disaster for the Oilers. So, but uh, Hyman, I'm on the, I'm still on the fence. I'm hoping that he's not going to be Lutich 2.0 as everyone's, everyone's calling it. So um, he's definitely a better, well, anybody's a better skater than Lutich. Um, Better hands. (laughs) So, you, you never know. You could be you could be Lucic two point or you could be Ryan Smith two point Much as John would like to hate that reference, <laughs> <laughs> useless. <laughs> but really, like Ryan Smith didn't have on paper wasn't a whole lot, but he did. A, him and Hyman are very similar in skill set. They had great hands. They're willing to stand in front of the net, and and that if he if he can do that for the next four or five years out of this contract, well then probably can deal with the last couple of years based on on that but i was all, just gonna all, say proof will be in the pudding so yeah who's this okay. ryan smith you talk of with great hands <laughs> <laughs> that guy could tip any puck anywhere um <laughs> so in terms of uh fantasy impact here like it, barry as we know led all defensemen in the nhl last year with 48 points and eight goals he was on a 70 point pace he doesn't get a lot of love around the league because of his defensive play, but he's going to line up with Connor McDavid again and uh, Darnell Nurse at even strength. So, I mean, in terms of fantasy, for sure he's going to have some more production there. He had 23 power play points this past season. I'd expect more of the same. Um, some GMs are going to reach for him, right? I think we saw our, our buddy Tyler, Commissioner Tyler, he reached for Barry Ty- last Tyler season. Tyler will and, reach for him, yes, so. And and Tyler, if you're listening, I know you're going to reach for him again, so we'll keep an eye on that. But, I mean, 
he's one of those guys that's going to be tough to get good value based on his ADP. Um, and of course, our ESPN league we play in is 80% Oilers fans, so that makes things tough too. But I would just say for next season, yeah, it's he's going to be a, a tough one to get value out of in terms of draft day. Um, Zach Hyman, the one you know what? Sorry, Bruce, what's that? Okay, the one I'm looking most forward to see out of all these guys is Fogel. See, yeah, have him in the have him in the bottom six and put up some points in the bottom six, which the Oilers desperately needed. So, yeah, and if he can do that, then I'm fine with Bear going the other way. So, well, so Warren Fogel needs some scoring in the bottom six. So they they did they needed to change the bottom six. He's a guy that's highly regarded around the league. Like a lot of teams are chasing Warren Fogel. Um, he's got some size. I think he's six foot two, and. They said he can put up 15 goals in Carolina playing on the third and fourth line. So given some more opportunity, like he, he's a guy with injuries could maybe move up and down your lineup and maybe 20 goals isn't out of reach for that guy. Uh, be curious to see what he does there. Like with Derek Ryan as his center or maybe Kyle Turris ends up playing some third line center or maybe at times R&H plays in third line center. It just gives us a lot more depth for that team, right? So, definitely. definitely. Uh, I, I definitely, I like Warren Fogel. I'm excited about him. He's got some potential there too in terms of Zach Hyman though like his shot rate per game and overall production has been improving since 2017 2018 so last season he scored 33 points 15 goals and 43 games played that was a 65 point pace um but he only averaged a minute and 31 on the power play so and and he started 65 percent of his shifts in the defensive zone so it'll be interesting to see how Tippett decides to use him right is he going to get first power play unit time is he going to be in the in front of the net on the on the first line power play like i sure hope so those are those are all questions right i i think i thought back to pat maroon right pat maroon scored 27 goals on mcdavid's wing so yeah for me i i'm gonna just my bold prediction for him is is 30 goals and 30 assists next season are you guys over under what do you think 30 goals and 60 points I think he goes over. Okay. I'm going under. Okay. He'll have more points than RNH does. Yes, agreed. I don't need that kind of yep. negativity in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, uh, sorry, I'm going, John. I'm going, I'm going with the Ryan Smith version two as opposed to Lucic version two. So I, I think. And look, he he's trained in the off season with McDavid, so it's like yeah. Fogel, McDavid, and Hyman all train. They all train with the same group over the summer, so these guys know each other already. So this is so. Well, I'm yep. a little sketchy yep. on the defense on the forward side. I think that's it's an improvement. It's a definite improvement. It it looks really good. This is probably the deepest the forward group has looked in a long time. Yes. All right, Bruce, that's exactly the kind of positivity I need in my life. I like that optimism. <laughs> you guys are the worst. <laughs> well, the way I look at it, they're going to have to score lots of goals because they're probably going to give up lots of goals too. So, Yeah, they're going to have yeah. to outscore their problems. All right. Um, let's, let's move on here. So Darcy Kemper was traded to the Colorado Avalanche for Connor Timmons, a 2022 first round pick and a conditional third round pick from the 2024 draft. 
nice pickup for the Avalanche here after losing Grubauer. It, what do you guys think? If he can stay, if he can stay healthy, I hope they get him a really good backup. Kemper yeah. is great when well, he's healthy, but when he's not healthy, they got to have. There's got to be a good option number two there, because the Pavel past few years he's not been healthy. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, it's, it's pretty. It was a steep price for Kemper, like because there there was no extension announced here, right? So right now we're working I, under the I assumption think, that it's one year. Well, I think once Grubauer signed in Seattle. Saki got desperate, and this is what desperation looks like for Colorado because he's yeah. severely overpaid on on Kemper. Severely overpaid. Yeah. Definitely. John, any thoughts on the on the Kemper trade? Um I like it for Colorado. Um overpaid, yes. Um, but like you say, it, when Kemper's healthy, he's fantastic. Um it, but but also like you say he he's got those injury concerns and they seem to pop up every single year and uh, I'm just hoping that he can manage to keep away from the injury bug and uh, put in a solid season because I think if he does it'll be well worth the trade. Well, it, again, they're in win win now mode. This this is a team yeah. that they're going for the Stanley Cup next year, so they I think they're okay making that trade even if they lose him at. Uh, at the end of the season next year. So I've got his fantasy value going up. Obviously he's going from Arizona to Colorado. He's going to be the starter, right? He's, he's the unquestioned starter, yeah. assuming he's healthy. Yeah. Um, how, how, you know, how, how early are you going to reach for Darcy Kemper in drafts? I think he's going to, he's going to see, you'll see him going quite early in drafts. What do you guys think? I won't draft early. I won't go early for him. There'll be other more established goaltenders I'll go after first. And health is a concern. Health is a concern, yeah. Uh, for me, I might reach a little for him. Uh, just because if he does manage to stay healthy, I see a big gain in his uh, in his production and that Colorado team, I don't see them losing a lot of games. So, uh, no, yeah, it, for me, I think I'm buying on Kemper. I think. I think I agree with you, John. But I, I don't know. Like he might go in rounds four through six. He might go quite early, right? And if you don't grab him in rounds four through six, you know, I, I don't know. Could be a steal, but again, health health is a concern for me too. So. Proceed with caution on Kemper, but you know that could be that's a, that's a boomer bust pick, I think. Oh, 100 percent. So next year we had the Washington Capitals trading a 2023 second round pick to reacquire Vitek Vanacek from the Seattle Kraken. So I thought this one was kind of funny, but obviously the writing was on the wall after Seattle signed, excuse me, signed Grubauer. So Vanacek returns to Washington, where he had some moderate success last season. I think his fantasy stock went up right after he went back to Washington because he was going to be stuck behind two very capable goaltenders in Seattle. Um, yeah, he's going back. But, he's going back to. He's looking at what 
a timeshare probably between yes. the two of them. Yeah, but so it's I, gonna be I probably think, hot hands. Yeah, yeah. It's, this this hurts either Samsonos fantasy stock for next year too, right? Because it looked like he was going to have the caps net to himself, and now he's back in a timeshare, like you said. Yeah. yeah. So handcuff situation if you're going to grab one of them I, I think Samsonov will probably still be the guy that goes earlier but if you grab Samsonov you're going to have to grab Vitek Vanacek as well yeah that's, Which, that's the one thing I really hate about fantasy is uh, if you do have to grab a guy on a timeshare you, you pretty much got to grab both of them uh, that's why for for me personally I try to stay away from timeshares as much po- as possible but there, there's getting to be so many in the league that uh, you really don't have an option at some point. Yeah, that's tough. I, yeah. I would agree with you, John. If I can grab just one goal, like I'd rather have three goaltenders that are starters as opposed to trying to grab one timeshare and two starters. Then you have to carry four goaltenders and you can't stream goalies, right? Right, and that's why I think we're going to see Darcy Kemper go higher than usual uh, because just for that reason. Um, guys are going to be... Uh, chomping at the bit because as soon as Vasilevsky's off the board then then your goalies are going to start to go quickly because guys don't want to get caught in that timeshare yeah and, and you have to grab Vasilevsky in the first round like I, I've seen yeah. some some mocks and stuff that had him going like I drafted him ninth last year and he probably will go higher than that this year very probably because he is one one goalie that you know he's a starter and and they just signed Brian Elliott actually for Tampa so a bit of an upgrade on McElhaney, but not much. So I, I think he's still going to get the bulk of the starts there. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, quick news here. Alex Edler signed a one-year contract for $3.5 million with the LA Kings. That's a team, Bruce, I've mentioned a couple times, but I, I think they're rebuilding a little quicker than than I expected. Um, you know, the other bit of news here that is, is Philip Deneau signing a six-year $33 million contract with a $5.5 million AAV with the Kings. So they've got some nice center depth there now with Kopitar, Deneau, uh, Quinton Byfield, and uh, who's the fourth guy there? Uh, I'm just checking. Well, right now, I don't know who it is this guy is, but they, they had another young guy coming up here too. So yeah. anyway, um, yeah, they, they seem to be making some some nice moves here. Uh, what did you guys think of the trade, or the, the signing anyway? Like, I didn't expect to know to go to the Kings, but thoughts? No, I sure didn't either. But you you look at that the top, well, even with Byfield as the third-line center, to know when Kopitar are both of basically almost Selkie-quality defensive centers, right? So hopefully Deneau can yeah. find his offensive touch in, in L.A., but... That's uh that's a great signing for for LA. That some serious stability in their center position. Yeah, I, I really like hopefully it. Hopefully Dino can find his find his scoring touch again. Yeah, like in 2018-2019 he put up 43 or 53 points and 12 goals. And and that's the best he's ever done. Um yeah. You know, he's a he's a very effective two-way center. He can kill penalties. He's great on faceoff. So if your league counts faceoff wins, blocks or hits uh even assists he's actually he's a great pickup like his three-year average on face-offs is 54.5 percent 
So uh, definitely it gives him the opportunity to, to shelter by field too, right? So he doesn't have to get thrown into first or second line duty right away. They can bring him up on the wing if they want him to play in the in the top six, or if they want to keep him back on the, as a third line center. He can just he's not going to get yep. run over by all the other team's top defenders. Yep. John, anything to add to that? Uh, no, not really. Uh, just like you guys said, it's all a pickup for LA and, uh, uh, also like Bruce was saying, you got two, two Selkie capable players in Kopitar and Dino and, uh, and yeah, I honestly, I think you guys hit the nail on the head there. Dino's just got to hit his, uh, get his offensive strides going and that's, that's just a solid pickup. So for fantasy purposes next year, are either of you guys going to look at Philip to know, like, is he, is he a kind of a gamble pick late in the draft or do you think he's just, you know, waiver fodder that you'll maybe pick up here and there? Uh, maybe later, later rounds. It's uh you take a gamble on him. He probably possibly in the later rounds, he could end up on being waiver wire at the beginning of the season to see how his first, first few weeks goes. And then if he starts putting up the points, then you'll see him go pretty fast after that. I think yeah. he'll be a later, he'll be a later round. Don't want to see the fact that he can put some points, put some points on the board first, but you never know. There could be fans out there that'll, that'll reach for him too earlier. Yep. All right. Yeah, I um, agree. I'm, I'm not, I'm not reaching for him at all either. Um, if he's on the board at the end of the draft, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but yeah, if he does start putting up points at the start of the year, then uh, he'll be picked off that waiver wire pretty quick. But yeah, I I can't see myself taking him, but stranger things have happened, I guess. <laughs> uh, another defensive player here. So Alec Martinez signed a three-year contract for $15.75 million. It's a $5.25 million AAV. So he's going to stay with the Golden Knights. I believe he led the playoffs in block shots uh, the regular season as well in, in terms of block shots. So not not a huge offensive player, but you know a, a bit of category coverage as well. Just wanted to mention him. Um, it's awfully expensive for category coverage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty rich given given what he brings. But obviously the Golden Knights like him and. I mean, defensive shutdown defensemen like Alec Martinez are, are valuable, right? In in real hockey, in terms Definitely. of fantasy, not so much. But uh, the Dallas Stars signed UFA defenseman Ryan Suter to a four-year, fourteen point six million dollar contract. That's a three point six five million dollar AAV. And UFA goaltender Braden Holpe was also signed to a one-year, two million dollar contract. Both players were bought out of their existing contracts prior to free agency. I, I've got. Uh, I've got Hopi's value in terms of fantasy going down. Suitors, I don't know if it'll change much. He might end up lining up with uh, Miro Heiskanen. If that's the case, I mean, you might see a boost in his production, but he's going to be kind of the shutdown guy on that pair anyway. So uh, thoughts or opinions, guys? I One thing I'll say quick is I'm, I'm really surprised Hopi signed in Dallas, given that they've got three other goaltenders there that are capable of playing. But what do you guys think? I don't think Hopi finishes the season in Dallas. I think what'll happen is they've got him because it sounded like Bishop is going to start the season on LTIR. 
So and I think he's he's the stopgap while Bishop is on LTIR. So when when Bishop comes back or at the trade deadline, he's got a that's a very friendly contract. He'll go to a contender that needs or a team that needs a a solid or a veteran backup at the playoff time. But I don't think he'll finish the season in Dallas. So do you think Ottinger's going to end up starting in the minors? Is that kind of what you're thinking? I think that's where Ottinger's going to is going to end up because you've got what right now you've got so you got Hudobin and and Holpe. So unless yeah. one of the one of them falters, that or one of them gets hurt, uh, Ottinger's just going to just going to be there in in waiting and Holpe's just insurance in case something happens to Bishop again. Okay. John, I think Bruce hit the nail head on that one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Bruce hit the nail on the head on that one. Um, I don't think Holtby is going to be there by the end of the year either. Um, there's too many tenders in there for to have a big carousel like that. Um, like he says, if, if something happens to Bishop again, then uh, hope you might be sticking around. But uh, other than that, I I think it'll just be a, a tandem between Hudobin and and Holtby. Ottinger will be in the minors, and yeah, hopefully uh, shipped off to a contender by trade deadline. So I, there's yeah, some talk Ottinger of is... a bishop. Sorry, Bruce. Go ahead. Say Ottinger is waivers exempt this season, so. Right, and he's only twenty-two, so they'll they'll be pretty they'll be pretty happy to leave him in the minors and play full time in the minors for another season or or two. He's only twenty-two, so yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of my thought process on this is like, I, if I'm Dallas, why wouldn't I trade Bishop? He's he's had injury concerns, right? He's going to start the season on LTIR, but he's he still has name value in the league. So if I'm them, I'm going to try and move him out. He's thirty-four years old. Kudobin's been excellent for them. I'm going to start with Hopi and Kudobin, and I'm going to continue with that tandem, and I might just let Kudobin go at the end of next season, keep Hopi and bring up Ottinger, because Hopi's only 31 still. I mean, again, this is performance-dependent. Like, does he actually play well next year? But I could see a situation like that, because you don't want to spend $5 bucks just on Bishop. Like, they could do a Hopi-Kudobin tandem for $5 million anyway. So, I don't know. I Could you guys see something like that happening? Like, I... You're saying they're gonna maybe flip Holpe, but I I could see them flipping Bishop. It's possible because you look at uh, both Bishop and Hadobin are only signed through the end of twenty two twenty three, so they're only there for two more years each. So I'm thinking as long as they'll string, they'll keep Ottinger down, probably getting some experience in the minors, and then they'll bring him up next year for whoever is still here out of out of those three. To back him up, and then when he's twenty four, twenty five, he's going to be your starting goalie for your for Dallas. Yeah, and that's how they got yeah. how they've got this plan. So they they signed Holby to keep basically keep Ottinger in the minors unless he needs unless more injuries happen, right? So yeah. Um, but in terms of Ryan Suter, I don't know if he's going. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Bruce. Go ahead. I say fantasy wise for Holpe, it's gonna it's all gonna depend on how everything plays out. So if it open plays well, Holpe's not gonna play very much. And vice versa. If Hilba doesn't play well, then Holpe will see more and we'll see what happens to Bishop when he comes off of L T I R. But 
Yeah. yeah. I'm... All right. Uh, Ryan Suter. So I, I've got his stock going down for, for next year for fantasy. What do you guys think? Is he going to get much of a boost playing with, in Dallas? Nope. No, I it'll be. It'll Sorry. it'll be worse because he's going to be behind Heiskanen, Klingberg, probably Liddell. It's he's not going to see any power play time, so he's going to be there to be a defensive defenseman, and that's it. So, yeah, it'll be he'll be health category coverages, but that's that's it. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Yeah, I was going to say right, the same thing too. Like, there's way too many guys in there for uh, for Suter to have any value at all. All right, we're all in agreement. Let's move on to Dougie Hamilton signing a seven-year, $63 million contract, $9 million AAV with the New Jersey Devils. Of all the places he could have gone, like for me, this was the biggest surprise of free agency. There's some talk about it, but like for me, his fantasy stock goes down. Like I'm not nearly as interested in Dougie Hamilton for next season as I would have been had he gone elsewhere. What do you guys think? It's definitely going to be lower, but I don't think it's going to be lower by that much. So by signing Hamilton, they give Ty Smith some more time to to develop. He's not going to be forced to play top pair, top power play minutes. So obviously he's not going to while Hamilton's there anyway. So um, he's basically going to be on the second power play unit. So we'll see what, see what, it'll affect Smith's fantasy value more than anything else, but. I don't yeah, know Ty if Smith. We'll see much of. Sorry, I I agree. Ty Smith's value is yeah. going down. Yeah, and Subban's on the last last year of his deal, so I don't know what's going to happen there. But no, Hamilton's your top defenseman now, so he's he's on the first power play. He's your top in your top pair. So I don't know if it'll it. Yeah, his point totals may not be as high as last year, but uh, they're not going to fall off a cliff either. So. No, he's still a very talented defenseman and, and he's going to get taken, you know, earlier than later in the draft. But I just, to me, this hurts yep. his fantasy value going to, to, to New Jersey. Um, they actually yeah. had the yeah. sixth lowest goals for per game in the league last year at 2.59 and the 11th worst goals for percentage at 45.3%. So it's a big difference from where he was in Carolina. Yeah. Being the top D-man there on a garbage team still pretty much makes me mediocre. Yeah. Still draftable. <laughs> like, <you're, laughs> yeah. yeah, no, agreed. <laughs> All right. Uh, Linus Olmark signed with the Boston Bruins for four years, $5 million AAV. As we talked about earlier, his fantasy stock can only go up from there, going from Buffalo to uh, to the Boston Bruins, one of the best teams in the league. I'm just going to pull up Olmark's numbers here quick because I don't have them available, but he he produced very well in Buffalo, all things considered. He did well considering the team in front of him was terrible. Yeah, he, he had a... the happiest two- goalie in the NHL right now. Next oh, I'm sure he couldn't have signed that contract fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He's uh, He's got a huge upgrade in front of him, so... And for five years, so I kind of one or four years, sorry, kind of tells you what they're probably going to happen with Tuukka Rask. I don't think if 
Omark plays well. Rask isn't coming back. Rask is nope. retiring. No, it's it's going to be Omark and, and going home. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be Omark and, right? and Swayman. The other one? Right? Yep. Yep. Um, That's, j- uh, just listen to these. Listen to these numbers here, Bruce. In 20 games played, he had nine wins, three overtime losses, a 2.63 goals against average, a 9.17 save percentage, and a 5.10 goal saved above average on a Buffalo Sabres team. That's Those are actually incredible That's, numbers. My question is, why didn't Edmonton offer him that? Yeah, I don't know either. I, I, I don't know. I I don't know. I'd bury Koskinen and pay pay Allmark that like. I would have bought out Koskinen that, and that, paid that, him that. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's and the way Swayman played at the end of last season for Boston, like if this is a sixty forty split in Boston. That's a hell of a tandem, just based on the way yeah. they they've played last season. That's and cheap too. Swayman's still on his entry level deal and. Yeah, goalie for under five million. Yeah, that's that's a great pickup so, for Boston. And his yeah, his I, fantasy value is going up, doing nowhere but up. Oh, he's going to get drafted fairly early, early amongst goalies, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I I don't I'm not convinced that it's going to be a tandem. Like I I think it'll be more of a seventy thirty split because they they could have played Swayman more last year, but they really didn't play him as much as I thought they should have. He played well, but when they had the opportunity they played Rask or they played Halak right like they kind of yeah so I, I wouldn't be surprised I guess I, I'm looking at it and I'd be gambling on Ulmerk as the starter as a bona fide starter for next year for, for Boston depending on how he plays he'll definitely get more of the starts but too they may not want to overwork him either based on Swayman's early resume too so it, yeah yep. it could play out and I don't don't remember what Ulmerk's injury was from last year so they may want to ease him in at the beginning and Cause they've got yep. two really good goalies there. So if they wanted to do it closer to a 60, 40 or 65, 30 or yeah, 65, 35 split, they could, they could do that with those two very easily. John, any thoughts on, on Ulmerk? No, a good pickup for Boston, I think. And uh, good for Ulmerk. He, he played well and he was definitely rewarded and, um, that just makes that Boston team a little bit more scary, and they're they're definitely uh, a force to reckon with out there, like usual. Yeah, agreed. All right, uh, next one here: St. Louis signed Brandon Saad to a five-year, twenty-two point five million dollar contract, four point five million dollar AAV. I think we talked about this earlier, right? I, th- I think we just see his value going up in that top six in St. Louis. Um, yeah or nay, guys? Fantasy stock going up or down? I think it goes up a little bit, but if they get if they move Tarasenko, it goes up more because there'll be more opportunity. Yeah. Again, another late round pick probably, right? Like you're not going to reach for Brandon Saad, but... Yeah. Okay. No, but the um, potential is there, right? Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that scored 20 goals. Uh, did he score 30 goals once? I believe he did. Check here. That would have been in he Chicago, 30, right? His first couple of seasons? Uh, I was in Columbus, actually. 
according to frozen oh, tools, sure enough, so that we've 15, got 15 16 yeah so he yeah. scored 23 the year before and then 31 in Columbus and then 24 the year after that so he he's a guy that like he's going to put up 20 plus goals right And if Tarasenko gets moved, he's going to have ample opportunity. He sure will. One thing I'll mention here too, though, his power play production is basically zilch. So keep that in mind if you're drafting Brandon Saad. He has never been a power play producer in his career. The most he's ever put up was 10 power play points, uh, two power play goals in 2014-2015 when he played 82 games. So unfortunate, but most of his production is coming uh, at even strength. So keep that in mind. Uh, let's move on to Tampa quickly here. So they signed RFA defenseman Cal Foot to a two-year one-way contract with an $850,000 AAV. So it looks like he's going to be playing on their third pair for next season. Um, and probably the bigger story was the signing of Braden Point. And I'm just, I don't have his numbers here. This actually just came up. Nine and a half million. Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what the AEV was. Uh, till the end of, uh, end of 2930. So that's what, seven years? Eight. So they, yeah, they went max, max term. Yeah. On Braden Point. Same Good AAV as Kucherov. I, yeah, and and I think we'd all agree he deserves that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. John, I know he's one of the few players you actually really like and would reach for, so. Yes. And, yeah. and it, um, <laughs> I see myself reaching for him again. Um, I don't know. I just like the way the guy plays. He always... He plays a hard game, and he uh, always finds a way to put the puck in net or uh, set up his teammates. He he does good. He does good things. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and then and then tonight, actually, just before we jumped on, there's a couple quick. Uh, there's one trade and one one contract signing. So Ryan Reeves actually was traded to the New York Rangers for a 2022 third round pick. Not surprising. I'd been hearing lots about. New York wanting to to beef up their lineup, especially after that incident with Tom Wilson. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you guys saw it on Twitter, but um, a five hole fantasy hockey podcast said something like uh, Tom Wilson has has dictated the New York Rangers' entire off season. <laughs> they showed a picture of Ryan Reeves. <laughs> there you go. So, They're not wrong. No, you know, interesting enough, right? That. Uh, New York really felt they had to go grab Ryan Reeves. So it, it'll be really interesting to see that first matchup with Washington and New York next season. I'm curious. I'm really curious to see how the Rangers are going to do next year. I don't, unless some of these young wingers take a step forward, I think they're going to take a step backwards. Uh, I'm just going to pull yeah. up their lineup here. Lafreniere is going to have to step up. Capo uh, Caco is going to have to step up. Like, yeah, because they traded Bushkevich away, right? They brought in Berkeley yep. Goodrow for the bottom, bottom six. 
I, 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 I don't, I don't know. I'm with you, Bruce. I, I think trading away Buchnevich and the return they got, they they took a, a step back here in the off season. Truthfully, I think. Like, and you look at yeah. So they brought Ryan Ryan Reeves to stop Tom Wilson. So great, they play Tom Wilson what six times a six times a season, seven times a season now. Like yeah, and Reeves isn't going to be playing mega minutes. He's going to be playing sheltered fourth line minutes because yeah he's an energy guy but that's literally it in the playoffs here at the end against Colorado he was eating hot dogs in the press box not playing so <laughs> for a third round pick I, I I don't know I don't know I guess we'll we'll see um yeah I just the the Buchnevich thing like I that really hindered their their forward depth yeah and because Lafreniere or or Kako are going to have to take a big step this year to fill those shoes in because they've got nobody else in the lineup that can yeah. do that. Yeah. No. And it looks like, too, I've been hearing uh, Alexander Gorgiev wants out of New York. So their, their goaltending depth is going to take a hit here, too. Yeah. But that does mean increased fantasy value for Sisterkin, who was very good last year up his numbers oh maybe kenny holland should give chris drury a, a call the last time they got a goalie uh, from yeah. uh, new york that worked out fairly well for the oilers i would say um yeah Shesterkin, 16 wins in 35 games two shutouts 916 save percentage 262 goals against average um 8.44 goals saved above average so Good season from him. Highly touted goaltender. Okay. Um, and then, of course, the big news of the night here, Zach Wierenski signed a six-year contract extension worth $57.5 million, a $9.583 million AAV. My question here is, how did he manage to get paid more than Kale McCarr? Yarmo didn't want to lose him. He already lost Seth Jones. He doesn't want to lose Wierenski, too, so... Back up the truck. I guess. Um, I, I like Wierenski. Well, it's going to be him and Jake Bean on the back end, right? So Wierenski's going to be the first guy and Bean's going to be the second guy, right? That's They're both yeah. offensive defensemen. So one will be running power play one, power play two, or they both could be on power play one. I, I would see Wierenski running that first power play unit. Um, oh yeah, definitely. Like I, I think just Jones kind moving of out of town, not putting him anywhere other than that. No, no, th- this is a clear indication he's your number one guy. He's going to get all the power play minutes. Uh, so definitely take a look at at grabbing him a little bit earlier in drafts. I would say, especially now that that Liney did accept his qualifying offer of seven point five million dollars. Um, they've got Voracek there on that unit. They've got. Uh, Bjorkstrand and Jack Roslevic and Max Domi. So they've got some guys that can put the puck in the net on the first unit power play. So uh, yeah. someone to take a look hopefully at. Hopefully Nyquist can actually, stay healthy this year too. Yeah. Yeah, he's another guy. And, you know, the man forgotten is Adam Boquist here. So I, I guess Wierenski playing with Adam yeah. Boquist as his D partner on the first unit, like that, that's going to help it even strength too, I think. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Well, too, and they've... So, 
Like you look at their defense, their their oldest defenseman is Dean Kukin at twenty eight. Oh, sorry, yeah, Scott Harrington at twenty eight. Ever and then, uh, oh, I'm going to butcher this, but Gavrikov. Gavrikov. Five. I think I butchered. I think I butchered that. But <laughs> who? Exactly. You tried. But you tried. Like very young defenseman, and then you've got three offensive defensemen there, right? So you got Warinsky, Bean, and Boquist that are all on the offensive side. So it's an interesting mix, right? And they're all really young, so they uh, they play it right. They could have a lot of fun with those three uh, with those three defensemen. Yeah, definitely. Three young defensemen. Well, if they can all they're, stay they're, healthy, I think this could be a competitive roster too. Yeah. There could be some fantasy fun with those three guys. Obviously, Wernski's going to be number one, but Bean and Boquist could be interesting to see what the two of them do in a secondary role. Well, and again, guys to keep an eye on if for some reason Wernski goes down. Yep. You know, because Boquist is a guy that's probably going to be on the waiver wire. Jake Bean, probably the same thing. Um, yeah. So Could just be. keep yeah. that in mind as you're going through the season. Okay. Uh, the last little thing here we had, you know, we're, we're just over time here, but we'll talk about it really quickly. It was Mike Hoffman signed a three-year, $4.5 million uh, AAV with, uh, with Montreal. So does that positively impact his, his fantasy value guys what do you think uh i don't know where he's gonna play i guess is the question but uh, do you like him in montreal he's gonna get more opportunity to play in montreal so in st louis he was kind of relegated to the third line here he's gonna play on the second line probably with oh if you look at the way daily faceoff has it set he'll be playing with kakaniemi and gallagher on the second line that's a that's not yeah. bad. No, I, so, I like that. But but you look at uh, you look at uh, Montreal's forward depth. So there's could be some fantasy fun here too. It's first line would be oh yeah projected to Foley, Suzuki, and Caulfield. Two would be Hoffield, Kakaniemi, and Gallagher. Three would be Duran, Jake Evans, and Josh Anderson. There could be a lot of fantasy fun right there. Yeah, yeah. There's lots to like about that Montreal lineup. And now they got David Savard on the second pairing too, right? So a little bit deeper on D. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, yeah. I'm excited about Jeff Petrie for next year. With Shea Weber being out, Jeff Petrie is going to be. He's going to be. He's a bona fide number one D, and he's gonna he's gonna produce next yeah. year. And now you put Mike uh, Hoffman on that, that, that power play. Yep. Petrie has shown too. Every time when Weber went down. Petrie just stepped right in there and filled in fantastically, and the same thing's going to happen now. Yeah. Yep, totally. John, any other thoughts on, on Montreal? Hoffman or otherwise? Uh, no, uh, good for Hoffman. Uh, I, like I like you guys said, I think he's going to get the opportunities there. Um, and I think, yeah, I think he'll do well. Uh, and also, like... Uh, like you said, the, those top three lines, they're, they're looking like fun. Uh, they might be an exciting team to watch this year, which is uh, not usually something you can say with the Canadians these days. So Usually it's just been the Carey Price show and that's it, but uh, this might give you something else to watch. 
definitely. Okay, guys. With that, that's the show this week. Um, thanks, guys. As, as always, it's been a fun uh, fun doing this. Uh, we'll get into some projections for next season, probably in the coming weeks here. Um, for anyone listening, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at fantasyhockeyhacks at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, fantasyhockeyhacks, or on Twitter at fhhacks. And uh, check out the website, fantasyhockeyhacks.com. And with that, we will uh, we'll catch up with everybody a little later on. All right. Thanks, guys. Hey, thanks. Good night, everybody. Thank you, everyone. Take care out there. All right. Take care.